This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AmvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the AMVA community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. This week, we are having a revisit with a partner we had on very early on in the experiment of the AmvaCast. I'm pleased to welcome back my friend Servi Beckers from the Netherlands, who is the chairman of the European Vehicle and Driver Registration Authorities, better known as EREG, their uh, association there, as well as Eucaris, which we'll explain a little bit about what, what that means. Uh, but I think, as I've explained to many people, for all intents and purposes, EREG is the European version of AMVA. Um, they are a great partner, and I'm excited not only that Survey is back on the podcast, but unlike the first time, this time we're recording from the same room. So, <laughs> Survey, welcome back to, to AMVACast. Thank you, Ian. It's, it's great to be here. And like I said in the opening speech on the, on the AIC, uh, after being with you for five times, I feel like a, an experienced uh, AIC uh, uh, attendee. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad to be here and to meet people that, uh, that I've got to know over the last years. It's, it's really great. So for some of the folks listening to the podcast, they may not have heard the first episode. It was early on before our, before our listening membership has grown and grown and grown. Uh, but in, seri- in all seriousness, though, since folks maybe haven't heard that, let's go back a little bit to the beginning. Of course, I introduced it as the European AMVA. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to say that. Does that resonate with you? Is that am, am I giving it a fair comparison to say that EREG is the European equivalent to AMVA? Um, I, th- I think it is in, in some respect. I think AMVA is, is, is one, it's bigger, it's mm-hmm. older, and it covers a little more areas than we do. Um, but you already mentioned uh, Eucaris. I think if you take EREG and Eucaris together, it's pretty much what it's AMVA does. To yeah. But EREG is, uh, for your understanding, is uh, the network of registration authorities in Europe. Mm-hmm. Basically the DMVs and everything they do about uh, driver licenses, uh, type approvals for cars, and helping the police out with the data that they have to follow up stolen cars and whatsoever import, export, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, EREG is the knowledge network. It's the meetings, the exchanging of best practices. It's about uh, telling policymakers what is the best way to, to legislate so that we can actually execute it. Eucaris is more the practical part, like the networks that you have in AMPA as well, right. like NMVTIS and uh, yeah, you have some more. That's what Eucaris does. That's the actual data exchange. Right. And it's approximately the same members but it's important to understand that this, it is actually a different network. Hmm, interesting. So it's more of our AmvaNet infrastructure that runs all the platforms, and then of course, you know, Amva, the the umbrella that brings people together and creates best practices, standards, guidelines. You have similar activities of of topic groups that folks yep. get together to create a best practice. Exactly, and that's where I see a lot of similarities with Amva, uh, because in the end, a lot of the policies that we do turns out in the end it is all about. Uh, data, data mm-hmm. exchange, and the way we help uh, in those processes uh, that all, all our people do, actually, yeah. to, to make it safer for people on the road. And uh, 
currently I'm the chairman of both networks, right. which is a good opportunity to look at a closer cooperation. And that's something I've picked up from the US as well. I mean, I've, I've seen it work over here. So it's it's a good lead for us to put your edge and your cares a little bit closer together. Well, it's interesting comparison of history because there was a time where AMVANET was separate from AMVA. Even though they had the same mm -hmm. word in the name, uh, they were two separate entities. And then, of course, not unlike what you're saying with Eucaris and EREG, it's almost almost the identical membership. So mm. why, why be separate? So I'll be curious to see how that conversation goes for yeah. you. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, some of those shared topics, like we have shared topics. I do know that, you know, the, your association recently revisited it and updated their priority topics they want to look at. And I want to ask you about them, not only for folks to understand and hear what is top of mind in Europe. Um, I'll give a spoiler alert to say what folks are going to hear is the similarities that even, you know, across the world, uh, you're, you're tackling the same topics. Yeah, yeah, I think that that is actually fair to say. And I think that's to do with the fact that a lot of developments that we see right now are actually developments on a global global level. Mm -hmm. and the industry is globalized and so on. So it's it's it shouldn't come as a surprise that a lot of the topics are uh, we have on the agenda are on your agenda as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But to name a few, uh, indeed, in recently in, when we had our annual meeting in Oslo, uh, where you were as well, yes. and we were very grateful having you there, um, we made a new work program as well. Um, we have to finalize that, but it consists of four main topics, mm -hmm. and under those topics is a lot of... of subtopics actually that we're, that we're dealing with. An important one for us is, of course, international data exchange. And that has to do with the fact that UCARIS and ERH are so closely related. And UCARIS is actually the pan-European network to exchange a lot of data uh, on cars, on drivers. Mm -hmm. Another one is uh, innovation and e-government services. Uh, has a lot to do with digitalization and what we see around us. Um, and it contains a lot of different topics that I, would, I will mm -hmm. go into uh, a little later, if you allow me. Sure. Of course, registration procedures, because they change as well, mm -hmm. uh, because of new technology, new ways of working, new challenges that, we have, that we're facing. Uh, and last but not least, sustainable vehicles and environment, mm -hmm. uh, because there's a lot going on there as well. Yeah. And it's good to understand that if you look at the European uh, commission agenda it has two main pillars and it, one is digitalization yeah and the other pillar is environment yeah and a lot of new legislation is actually developed right now in those pillars but you'll see that a lot of the old uh, subjects that we already had on the table actually perfectly fit in those yeah, and I would imagine, and you know, you, you mentioned the European Commission, and I start again to go back to the similarities and differences. Um, but when you talk about international data exchange, if you're talking about within the members, because even your member-to-member -member transmission would technically be international in the sense that it's out of from one country to another, mm -hmm. as opposed to, say, a U.S. state to another U.S. state. Uh, but there's a similarity in that each country, of course, has autonomy, and then those that are European Union members may have to follow commission directives. You may have members that are not. Not unlike in the U.S. and Canada, where you've got states and provinces in Canada that have autonomy in certain areas, in certain places where they have to follow federal mandates. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that that's correct. Um, although I must say that a lot of uh, countries that are not in the EU 
because of the size of the European market, because that's the main driver uh, within Europe, I would say, for the EU. It's the internal market. It's the free movement of goods and people. That mm -hmm. was uh, what, one of the main reasons, actually, to, to make the EU. Uh, but it's also important for the neighboring countries. So yeah. most of them actually follow the legislation that is in the EU, even though that's even pure free will. Oh, interesting. Um, but it's easier to, to be part of the European market, of course. Yeah, um, yeah but 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 it's, that is true. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's talk about what these words mean. Well, let's start with that first one, international data exchange. I kind of mentioned that, it, you know, international could have a, a different meaning. So when you're from the work program of EREG, what does international data exchange mean in the, the part of that you're going to tackle? Because, you know, I mean, you throw, throw the word data in anything, and my gosh, the sky's the limit. Absolutely, Yeah. In, in this respect, but in the program of, of EREG, international means actually across European borders. Okay. Um, so for us, it's not within Europe. We, it's also international, uh, if, if, literally. But uh, for us, it feels like, okay, that's something that we have. It's, it's the ones we know and that we already exchange data with. But we've always had a focus on the borders of that community. Even though, uh, even in the times that when Eucaris was very small, it was only five countries exchanging data, the focus was, of course, on the borders, because the internal market is open. So if you look uh, for stolen vehicles, for example, and you mm. have to exchange data for that, well, that's always on the borders mm -hmm. of your territory, so to speak, because that's where you escape. That's where those vehicles <laughs> are going to go to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But well, that has grown, obviously. So we always look on the edges. That, that's one reason for uh, looking into international data exchange. But there's actually three uh, drivers, I would say, uh, uh, for that. Um, there is, uh, well, the situation that we have in, in Ukraine mm -hmm. recently mm -hmm. opened our eyes that actually it revived looking across the border, actually, mm. so to speak, because we had a lot of refugees. Sure. And since it's all land, uh, they drive their cars, drive right stay over. for a while yeah. in another country. And, of course, we have to do something for them with their driving licenses and their cars and mm. so on and so on. They stay longer for than a certain period. So it made it clear that we have to be in that space and have to look again. Okay, we already have a lot of work within Europe, but we have to look at the uh, surrounding countries as well. Another one is that we were approached a couple of times already to help uh, lower middle income countries when it comes to cleaner and safer vehicles. Mm -hmm. And also to prevent dumping of cars in, for example, Africa and so on. Mm. Um, and of course, uh, some of our members were really interested uh, because they have import and export of American cars, US cars. Um, to, to see if we could learn a bit more about the history of those cars and if that could improve, uh, maybe even make it simpler to, to import, but also improve the safety of the cars that actually come on European soil. Uh, so that's a, three main reasons. And, well, like I said, we're not policy makers. Mm -hmm. uh, we do the policy execution. Yeah. But, of course, we're already thinking about how, how would this work? And one of the things that Eucaris is currently developing is, is the idea of a gateway, so that we don't exchange the data really, but make it possible to get the data for specific purposes for those who are not a part of the network. Right. And I'm not quite sure if it's exactly identical, but 
uh, part of it came also of, from discussions that we had and with Amber, and I know that you, I think you almost finished, you did a great job in uh, with Canada, for example, provide, making a great right. way, yeah, uh, yeah. a gateway. That's right. Um, yeah, so that's developing now, and I think it's a great opportunity to look into with Amber as well to see what we could learn and what the possibilities are, even though we know that data exchange in itself is on both sides always a sensitive subject right. because people get worried like what is it exactly Where is information what do going? we share especially to a foreign country As, uh, yeah well i mean and that's that's understandable yeah uh, at the same time people travel yeah and they get good to another country we want to help those people but also make keep it safe and help enforcement maybe even as well so let us look into the, the most simple way of, of supporting those processes. Especially if it's data exchange to support existing policy that has essentially created the globalization that you started with, right? The, the shrinking globe has happened for a number of reasons, many of which are policy driven. Sometimes, however, there's not the sharing of data to necessarily support those policies, so things are taken on face value. So if there's a way to have some data exchange, not for the sake of new policy, but for the reinforcing of existing policy. Yeah. yeah, I think over the last years what we've seen is, as, and it links into development in e-government services as well. Yeah. I mean, we had certain processes that can be done easier now mm -hmm. and open up also new opportunities maybe. Um, and that's still a process. I think most work maybe has already been done, mm. but it's still it's still there. So um, what will like what will eReg do in this space of innovation in government services? For example, in the Anvil world, we would maybe get a best a working group to work on a best practice so that they could talk about how to take a paper process and make it digital or a um, innovative way of delivering customer service that necessarily hasn't been done before, so they could be shared out with more jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. uh, what would be the the equivalent on the eReg approach? We would do exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> As you can imagine. So there's a lot of exchange of best practices because yeah. some countries uh, move faster than other ones. So uh, it's good to learn. Yeah. Uh, and this could be indeed like how do you run your processes? Uh, what changes did you make over the last years? For example, what I like as an example is that, say, also in the Netherlands, in, within RDW, I think it's about 10 years ago, there was still a focus on how many seconds do you spend on a customer, for example. Mm -hmm. Sure. That has changed. Because we learned that it's better to solve the question right away, and it takes a little longer, mm -hmm. but the follow-up process is not there anymore. Right. In the end, it's cheaper, it's faster, and you have a customer that's happy. Yeah. Though I will say, if you're already measuring it in seconds and not minutes, you're probably well ahead of the game to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> Could very well be, but I mean, uh, it didn't always deliver happy yeah. customers. Okay. Uh, because... People feel the pressure of keeping it short and and, and uh, try to answer as fast as they can because that's what they're measured uh, yeah. on. Is that I'm yeah. not sure if that's correct, that but that, that's what I mean. Um, but sharing that with the other countries, you see that everybody's making the same changes. Yeah. But it doesn't only uh, isn't not only limited to that. It's also about when we were in Oslo. Uh, I think Norway was talking about uh, API management and the mm -hmm. things they're doing over there. So sharing this information and developments, what you can do in the front office of your, uh, yeah. of your agency, well, that's really valuable. And, and some pick the cherries that they want to have sure. out of it and, and it works. And I think the good thing is it standardizes the way of working of the government without any big pressure from above. 
um, which makes, makes it also easier to understand once I move to another country or if mm -hmm. I'm traveling, how those processes right. work because I've, they look I've, similar. I've been on that other country's website. I can now go to this website. I know how to do these steps. Yeah. Um, and I, I use website as an example because that was, you know, when we were when we came to Oslo, Chrissy Neiser, of course, who was with us, gave a presentation to your members about what Maryland yeah. did to move services online, especially heightened by the pandemic. And it was... Not surprising to see how excited your members were because it just still related. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing. It's the same thing. It keeps us busy. I mean, that's that's the work we do. Yeah. Uh, it's not only about the great new big topics like, for example, automated driving stuff. It's also about how do we right. actually study basic government to, services absolutely. that have to be delivered. Absolutely. Yeah. So that is absolutely in our in our uh, how to say in our view. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, if you're talking about innovation, actually, uh, and I already mentioned autonomous driver, yeah. driving, that's also in our list. Yeah. And as you can imagine, maybe not so much as uh, making the legislation from a type approval point of view, although some of our members really do. Yeah. Um, but for ERAGE, it's important to see what is happening in that domain. And we're very aware, for example, that uh, there's so much data going on, uh, one, that can help us improve our processes. Mm -hmm. But also, uh, I always like to use the example, a car didn't change that much in mm. the past. Mm -hmm. But now with software updates, and even I saw, a, I read an article of BMW with changing colors. Yes. Of their yeah, I've seen that vehicle. Well, yeah. it turns into a dynamic thing. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself the question, okay, how do we deal with this? Do I need this data? Because the amount is really big. Or should I only tap into it? What does this mean for my IT environment, uh, my processes? Uh, it, it, it brings new questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and we used to have more time when it was static. And now we have to think of how do we deal with dynamic data? Yeah. And that's one of the topics that's really on my mind, at least, and that I hope to start the next three years with the eRidge community, mm. to tap into what we call dynamic vehicle characteristics and how our registration processes should mm. work with that. And it's... It's one of the things that maybe is also interesting to do together with Anva. Who knows? We'll, well absolutely, because it's going to be, we have the same questions. We have these vehicles that are not what they used to be, and we're, how do you register them? How do you title them? I know you don't have titles, but, you know, for our listeners, they'll understand the, the relevance. Um, it's not, you're no longer getting the information on a blue Buick. It's no. now... No. You know, something that <clears throat> might be blue one day, might be green the next day, and it might drive itself, and then you might drive it, you know. You yeah, or, or, or you have uh, limitations for emissions of cars in specific mm -hmm. regions, and they didn't get their last software updates, so how do you know? Yeah, yeah. And is that, when you talk about your registration procedures area, is that is that the focus of that piece, piece of work, or does that uh, also take you back to a little of those fundamentals of how does everybody register the vehicles? Well, um, I think about fundamentals, we already worked for quite a while mm -hmm. together. We have a, a, a nice overview that can be found on our website. I don't have it ready right now, but it's, it's the vehicle chain. Sure. And that gives you an overview about the registration processes in, in, uh, in Europe. Um, and of course, they're different in every country. That's probably the same yep. here. But there is a lot of, of common mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, things so I'm not saying we have that covered completely but 
that is doing okay. So the new challenges are really in the more dynamic data, um, data quality, for example. I mean, what are you relying on? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And then the last one that you mentioned is one that I think in, in our world is a little outside the scope. We've had some conversations about it in the Ember community, um, but it's very new conversation. So sustainability. Um, talk to me about how, how you're tackling that. Well, there's a couple of things in Europe where we have low emission zones. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that we still have to start as well uh, uh, from our perspective because it's not very much centrally regulated at this point in mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So it's actually the, the countries and sometimes even the cities that actually uh, have regulations on who can enter the city oh, sure. and who cannot. But in the end, they always ask us as registrators, uh, yeah, what type of car is this? And can we link it to an ANPR system and an automatic number plate recognition so mm -hmm. that we can automate the entrance in the city and make sure that the right cars can get in and the other ones cannot? So, yeah, facilitating these type of processes is still uh, on our mind. So, <coughs> But in many ways it goes back to not that your registration authorities are necessarily involved in sustainability policy, but you hold the data exactly. that those, whoever's going to implement a sustainability policy, they need that data of who, what are these vehicles, who owns them, when are they driving them? Yes, um, exactly. But what, what we bring in is if you, I mean, the policies is one thing, but you have to practice it in real life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what we try to bring in is how would this work in real life mm. and what kind of systems would you like to have, uh, uh, what type of questions should you ask to get the right answer. It's, it's, it's always about how does it work in practice. Yeah. And that's what ERES tries to bring in in different working groups in, in, in Brussels as well. Mm -hmm. And not only on, the, on this topic alone, uh, like I said, the European Commission has a, a big uh, pillar on, on environmental uh, policy, which also taps into uh, circular economy. And you can imagine that uh, the things you register on a car uh, could also be the, the parts and, and, and everything that's in there. And we don't quite know how this will work out, but it's, it's the status of the car, the status of the parts and everything. It's probably in our registers. So mm -hmm. if you want to make a circular economy and you make policy on that, it's good to understand uh, what is already there and what yeah. we can do. Um, yeah, and... Uh, we have a lot of data on the performance of cars as well, of course, because we have uh, periodical uh, technical inspections in, in Europe. Um, so if you look at real driving emissions, yeah, uh, that's another uh, chapter to look into. I mean, not only in a controlled environment, but what is it really, yeah. what yeah. the emissions are? Right. These are the subjects that we uh, are involved in. Um, and try to contribute yeah. uh, from from a data yeah. registration perspective. Good. So you know, you mentioned at the the start of the conversation how um, you've been coming now to AMV events for five years, which takes me back to 2017 when you came to San Francisco and we had a revitalization of the AMVA EREG partnership and, and coalition. Mm -hmm. You recently then came back this past spring for us to do an evaluation about how, how it's going. So I was hoping maybe you could share with our listeners, um, you know, how, and you and I worked on it together with some other folks, but you've since presented it to your uh, 
advisory board, I think is the right mm -hmm. term you use, and we present it to our board of directors. Um, so maybe we can share with folks how we think this is going, especially after this last five years of re-emphasized uh, input. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the first thing is good to say that both sides, I think, were very happy with, yeah. with the thing that we've revived, started. Yes, right. Or, and, well, in the networks that we are, it's important to make the connection. I think we really, well, we, we can fairly say we really made a connection over those five years. Mm -hmm. So getting to know each other, getting to understand each other, uh, uh, also from an organization part of you, how are you organized, how are we organized, I think we picked up quite a lot from that as well. But um, also in the exchange of information, I mean, the reports that, that we share mm -hmm. uh, and that, that we, uh, well, it, that we use, it it, it's, uh, it helps us to understand the context in the US and I hope the other way around as well. Um, we had some meetings together and that's also very nice because I really believe that the really nice thing about these things is that you, if you read a report, it's a report. Mm -hmm. But if you talk to somebody, about the context that the report is written in and the ideas that they have, that's much more interesting. That's and I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to uh, to stick to the agreement that we had to visit each other's uh, annual uh, meetings, um, but also to, to do a, a couple of, of uh, working group meetings. Mm -hmm. Not that's that many, so there's still room to for improvement yeah. there, but, but uh, actually it worked, it's really good. And I'm still looking back at, um, I think it was a very fruitful meeting that we organized together, also with Osroads, by the way, mm -hmm. on a global summit. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, looking back, actually, I was surprised how much we did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because these things go by and then you can, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then you back to your normal work. But if right. you add it up. It's a lot about connecting. It's a lot about exchanging information. It's a lot about recognizing that we actually have the same stuff on our agendas. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's very pragmatic. Uh, I can remember, I think there was in Omar, uh, somebody from South Carolina stepped up to me and said, hey, uh, you're from the Netherlands, isn't it? Yeah, I'm from the Netherlands, that's, that's correct. You uh, did a type approval for, I think it was Picnic, small electric cars that, that do the, the grocery uh, delivery oh, okay. uh, in, the, in the Netherlands. Uh, I'm really interested in the documentation and the tests that, that you did and stuff. Well, it was easy to make the connection. Right. Um, and that's, I think, the spin-off of our relationship as well, and, and we should use it. Another example is that I think Amba and Iraj helped a lot in a letter of intent that California and the Netherlands made on, on uh, working together in the innovative uh, uh, area where we're for car manufacturers in the US that export to uh, to Europe. Mm -hmm. And part of that letter of intent was, can we help, in that case, the Netherlands and California, but maybe that should be wider, but can we help each other to understand each other's market and uh, can we help our customers with mm -hmm. that? So that's, that's, that's real spin-off from, from the thing that we started and the alliance that yeah. we have. And like I said, it's a good place to, as we start to wrap up our conversation, maybe to ask you, we're, we're talking about connections and shared histories. Um, and it's, you started with, you know, AMVA is older than EREG. It's about the only time we could say anything in America is older than anything in Europe. Yeah, yeah, so I always get a kick out of that. But you, you shared um, at the recent board of directors meeting a, a real endearing story about 
unexpected connections. And I would love for you to uh, briefly repeat it uh, for everyone that wasn't there that could really, um, you know, it's, it's a good symbol and a good reminder of the connections exist and they're everywhere. Yeah, I, uh, I told a little anecdote while I was uh, handing over a little present to Christina Boardman. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I should start explaining what, what the present was before sure, I tap, tap into the, to the anecdote. But um, when we did the evaluation, I was very aware that, that it's, it's not just the formal stuff, it's, it's the energy people put into it mm -hmm. and the extra energy they put into it and the fact that they like it I think because if they don't like it it doesn't work out and I'm always aware that it takes a lot of traveling being away from home and stuff like that so I th felt it's good to recognize that so I made a little fuel can uh, showing that was the Erech Amva fuel mm -hmm. in the fuel can and so I could give that but it had to be engraved and personalized of course um, and I already handed it out to uh, to you, Ian, yes. okay. uh, but also to Anne and to uh, Chrissy and uh, Bernard and, and others that really helped, and Jeff, of course, not to forget, um, that really helped starting up the, the, the alliance that we actually yes. revived in, in San Francisco. And the last one on my list was, was uh, uh, Christina, because she really made an effort coming over to Lisbon Mm -hmm. and being there and being also in our CEO meeting and explaining what was going on in the US. And then the guy who did the personalization, the engravement in the, in the, uh, the fuel, fuel can, can yeah. uh, had a broke machine. So I was, uh, I was a little bit in trouble because I waited too long, of course, and I knew that I had to travel to the US in a week. Uh, so I was a bit panicking. But I couldn't find anyone. For some reason, it's an old-fashioned uh, mm. way of doing, maybe. Um, and so I kept looking. Then I traveled back to my town of birth, my uh, hometown where my parents uh, live. And uh, I started looking there as well because I was still on my quest for <laughs> an engraver that could do this. And I, wasn't, I thought I wasn't lucky there, but just before going back home, uh, and my wife and I were sitting in the car. I got a phone call from a guy named Ernst Goyarts. And he said, I think I can do it. Uh, just come by and I'll see if I can do it. I said, will you fix it? Does it take a long time? No, I can do it, I think, within an hour. So I went there. Um, he, I think he engraved it beautifully. Mm -hmm. um, and then he asked me, like, what do you need it for? So I told him I was coming over to... to Washington and Baltimore and to Amva and that mm -hmm. this was a present for a valued colleague and so on. I said, oh, really? That's interesting. I have to show you something. And then he came back with a big metal plate with an engraving on it. And I said, well, yeah, okay, what, what is this? He said, this is a piece of a bell from a Carillon that his grandfather made uh, as a basically as a present for the, from the Dutch people to the U.S. for the aid uh, after the Second World War. And uh, I was flabbergasted because I thought, uh, what, what did he say? Um, Abel, Carillon, Arlington, I thought, oh, that's the headquarters of AMVA. Mm -hmm. So for some reason that must have meant to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, well, actually, it also shows me 
that the relationship between the U.S. and Europe is is so old. There's so many links mm-hmm. um, that it can be found anywhere. Yeah. Even in my hometown. <laughs> so I was very aware of that. So, like you said, I I I had to tell it to the board as of well. Of course. Uh, because I think that's that is really something not to forget. It's we're focusing now on on an alliance between Irish and Ampa and how we work together. But it is in a broader context. Yes. Um, it's absolutely true that uh, Europe and the US are somehow bound, historically bound. And I think we understand each other a lot better than we sometimes think. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Well, sir, we thanks for uh, coming back on and chatting, giving us an update on eReg. I'll look forward to more connections and having you back for more updates in the future. Okay, thank you very much, Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody, this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Until next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.